Welcome to the Pump Sports Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Alford, and I'm coming to you on an evening in which it is raining pretty good outside, and it feels like the dog days of summer have slipped away, and we've entered that time called fall. But we are excited over here at PSP because that means fall sports are in full swing. We had that great game last week on the gridiron against Coeur d'Alene. Got that victory. That was great. That was magical. But now we're shifting into some other sports that begin their seasons this week. First, Tuesday, September 10th, Bullpup Arena, Scarpelli Gym that is, the Lady Volleyball Bullpups play Lake City at 7 p.m. Come out. We'll be there. We hope to see you there. Then Thursday, doubleheader, Frosh Football plays against CV at 3.30 at Bullpup Stadium. Then 6.30, under the lights, our Lady Soccer Athletes play against Mount Spokane. And we can't wait for that game because we are hearing... That that soccer team, that ladies soccer team for the Bullpups is darn good this year and should make a deep run into the playoffs and hopefully a state run. So we will be there all week showing our support. Volleyball, freshman football, ladies soccer. We'll be getting some interviews for you guys. So stay tuned later this week for that coming your way. Now for our guest of honor, our alumni interview. None other than Tom McKernan. This man did not play football back in the 2000s. This man did not play football in the 1990s. This man was a part of the legendary 1980s. Now, the Bullpups had a 1986 state run in which they were champions in the kingdom for football. Tom was a part of that team. Big number 4-5 linebacker. We had the privilege of sitting down with Tom and talking about that 86 legendary run, his life beyond prep, his life with his boys and how they've gone through prep playing football, and the decision to keep football an active part of his family's life. I give you Tom McKernan. Gonzaga prep legend, class of uh, 1987, state champion in football back in 1986, um, known for his ability to lay the wood as a linebacker, uh, this man knows his way around the kingdom. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Now, full name, because I know I'm going to get it incorrect. What is it? Tom McKernan. McKernan. I always want to say McKernan. <laughs> McKernan. Okay. Now, uh, we'll begin today with some rapid-fire questions, and then we'll get into the, the legend that was that 1986 season. All right. Great. Thank you for having me. Yes. No, we're, we're, we're glad. We're broadening the scope now. It's really fun to get now players that played in past decades at prep, and we're out of the 2000s finally. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> so uh, now playing days. Playing days, height and weight. 6'2", 190 as a senior. Okay. Uh, football number? 45. 45. Do you think you could still strap the helmet on and pads and get after it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could. In fact, we talked about this at our freshman football practice yesterday that uh, the coaches were trying to emphasize, you, know, you only get so many games uh, to the kids. And, you know, we all talked about how we wish we could all still do it. But you know, that's, that's not reality. 
If you had to choose between the two, Zips or Dick's Burgers? Dick's, definitely. Wow. Yeah. I feel like as a, as a prep alum, that could be sacrilege nowadays just because of the fact that the celebratory meals at Zips after the game. But it's, okay. it, Well, back then it was Dick's, so okay. I guess I'm old school. Yeah, that's true. I'm learning something here. <laughs> uh, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Okay. No brainer there. Are we diet <laughs> or regular? Uh, definitely diet these days. Explain what it was like to tackle someone on AstroTurf because I know back in the day uh, it was not the nice kind of plush turf that prep has now. And Albi and, you know, the Kingdom. Yeah, well, for anybody who uh, is a parochial student from Spokane, if they remember All Saints Old Carpet Gym, it was about like that or, you know, any outdoor carpet that <laughs> you've ever stepped on, except for it was worse because there was a giant crown in the middle of the field that was at least a foot or more taller than the sidelines. So uh, as you ran to the sidelines, you were running downhill. So if you happened to, to catch somebody going downhill – you had even more force on the on the collision. So, was it a regular experience that you'd be dealing with turf burn after games? Absolutely. In <laughs> fact, there was a guy. Uh, I tackled a guy in the playoffs who had to leave the game due to turf burn because I landed on his back and he slid about five or ten feet, and both of his arms immediately had the skin come off of them and left the game. <laughs> now that doesn't heal very quickly, to my knowledge. I remember that kind of lasts throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> And also, too, when then you're just continually getting tackled again and again and again. Back in 86, did you guys throw the football? Uh, we didn't throw it often, but we threw it very well. About uh, Maybe we threw it five to seven times a game, and usually you know, two or three of them were touchdowns. Yeah. No, it sounds very similar to nowadays. Yeah, it was very similar. I mean, it was, just, it was out of the wishbone instead of out of the, uh, the spread option. Now, defensive-wise, was it the same prep defense that you see today, or was it different? We ran a very vanilla defense. We ran, you know, generally either a, a 50 or an eagle defense um, with, with four linemen, stand-up defensive end, uh, and usually just played three-deep coverage. Um, very vanilla. We were kind of a – we had a lot of good, fast athletes all over the place and just ran to the ball and, and tackled well and – you know, we hardly ever blitzed. We didn't, you know, switch stuff up too much. We were able to just, you know, it's one of those deals. If you can play bass and mm-hmm. and stuff people, then you just keep playing bass. So that's that's kind of how we did. It. And yeah. you know, HT was was uh, our defensive coordinator at the time too. So I I still kind of give him crap for never letting us do anything fun. <laughs> and I think it's still that way. I don't think much has changed. So. Yeah, they definitely they definitely uh, switch it up a lot more. I mean, you have to these days with the. the proliferation of spread offenses and mm-hmm. all the different things people can do you have to be prepared for a lot more than I think you know you were back in those days but uh, we got we got away with playing pretty pretty uh, vanilla type stuff for sure were you the signal caller were you the mic linebacker yes all right now uh, those guys that you won that state title with back in 86 how many of them do you still keep in contact with oh a lot of them in fact I was just with about 10 of them a couple weeks ago uh, our quarterback, Ron Hawkins, uh, has, a, has a really nice place out at Coeur d'Alene and invited a bunch of guys for a semi-reunion uh, in, uh, in August here a couple weeks ago. And so uh, I saw a bunch of them, and it was really fun to, to reconnect. And uh, some of them I hadn't seen in, in years. So it was, it was really cool. That, and, you know, it's, it's like you never left. You know, it, yeah. you see the guys, and it, it, it might as well be, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, it's just like uh, you just saw them yesterday. I saw something the other day when I was looking through your Facebook page that I think either you had posted it or you were like tagged in it, but it it marked that this day in GSL history, 30 years ago, uh, 
prep won its 15th straight GSL uh, game, oh. and you'd beat CV 28-0. Okay. So looking at that and just a complete dominant performance, was the expectation on your guys' team state or bust? You know, it really was. Uh, we had, when I was a junior, we lost in the state finals um, to Juanita. And so we were returning a lot of players. I think we had uh, at least half of our starters were juniors uh, that year. So going into our senior year, we had a whole bunch of guys coming back and, and really good skill players, uh, good line. We were, I mean, we, were, we were good all over the place. Uh, and we were, I think, ranked you know, to start the season you know, by everybody's number one. So, I mean, we had the total target on our back. We played with it the whole way. Uh, but that was, that was definitely the expectation. You know, our, in fact, I would say, I've, I've said this to other people, our, I remember going into, into high school with, you know, it was just expected that I mean, you're going to be good. Yeah. And there was, there's like no alternative. Because when I was in eighth grade, they won the state championship. And I remember following that. And so I remember, I mean, I could show you my, my yearbook from my freshman year. And, and kids are writing stuff in the book about let's go win state. Let's go to the kingdom, stuff like that. That's it's cool. Yeah, and you know, this is a freshman team that you know didn't even win all his games, so <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was just you know <laughs> you know arrogance or you know uh, not really understanding how hard it is or whatever, just you know just kind of the culture of what it was. I mean, you expected to to really go compete and be good. Were you guys challenged at all in the GSL? Uh, we had one game uh, that we only won fourteen to nothing. Um, but it's funny that that came up in our, in our, uh, reunion that we had a couple weeks ago, all the <laughs> offensive guys were talking about how tough LC was that year. And the defensive guys were looking at each other, like, I don't think they got past the 50 yard line. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some debate as to whether or not it was actually a tough game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, favorite memory from that season. Oh, wow. There's so many. Well, I guess let's go favorite memory. Do you have one of like the regular season that way? Beating Meade. 45 to nothing in the third game when we were both undefeated and unscored on and being ahead 35 to nothing going up into the tunnel at halftime. Wow. How many, how many games did you guys have shutouts in that year? Um, Cause you beat CV 28 zero apparently. Yeah, I think you beat Mead. I want to say LC. all of those you said, I think, we, I think we had five in the league, five out of the eight league games were, and I think we shut out two teams in the playoffs. Wow. So it's seven out of 12. So you're like the 85 Bears team to prep. Like <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I never knew that about your guys' state run, that you had that many shutouts. Yeah, we were. And, well, and, and the, the amazing thing about it is, you know, most of the time our starters weren't playing much after the third quarter. So, I mean, we had, we had our, our backups coming in and preserving shutouts. So, I mean, that's – Usually when you're, you're scoring 30, 40 points a game, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to keep the other team off the scoreboard. But um, we were still able to. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. It's, 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 it was a lot easier to shut teams out back then than it is these days with, yeah. you know, the way people play offense and how everything uh, is, is so, you know, uh, spread-oriented now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, teams back then, most of them would line up in a pro set or, you know, double tight or two, you know, two backs. And, you know, yeah. once you got up on them, there, there really wasn't a lot of room to go and, and turn it loose and throw it all over the place. So, so when you got in the playoffs and you guys were a little bit more challenged, was there ever a team that you guys got to where you thought, Oh man, this could be the difference maker, whether we get to state or not. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, everyone, I don't know. Anybody wouldn't agree on this. It was, we played Kennewick when, uh, when, uh, in the, in the quarterfinals and it was in Spokane and, uh, we had really beaten them badly down there the year before in a snow game, uh, and it was really 
tough for them because they'd never even seen snow before. And, and we'd been playing in it for two or three weeks already. And we went down there and beat them badly. And they were really good. And, and I think we beat them by 30, 40 points. So the following year, we were the one with the target on our backs. We were the highly ranked team. And, mm-hmm. and they were going to come up and, and try to wreck it. And they were tough. They were really well coached. Uh, they were good at every position. Uh, they had 2,000-yard two, two running backs, if I remember correctly. And they brought, I mean, the entire city of Kennewick up with them. I mean, there was probably, wow. I, don't, I don't know how many thousand people were at the game, but if you, if you go to Albi now and imagine, you know, the whole place packed from about the 15 to the 15-yard line on both sides, that's what it was like. I mean, you just don't see games like, it's, maybe it's like, you know, Mead and Mount Canada, their Battle of the Bell. It was probably, you know, that filled up or more. It was, it was amazing. It was, like, it was like a college game. Wow. Now you get to state. Who'd you guys play in the state championship game? Uh, we played Juanita again to the second year in a row, and it was their third year in a row being there. Uh, and they weren't anticipated to be there, but they had uh, kind of uh, jumped up and beat some people to get there. So we were actually excited to be able to play them again since we lost, lost to them the previous year. What was the final score of that game? Uh, Fourteen to seven. Any defense takeaways? Uh, we we had a couple. We played pretty well in that game. We had one big play. They their touchdown was kind of a a big. Uh, pass down the sideline uh other than that we we did we played pretty well uh we had a big interception in the second half that you know kind of put the nail in the coffin for them uh but they really it, we, our offense was playing pretty conservatively that game because our quarterback <laughs> had a broken wrist uh, oh, that he man. suffered in the Kennewick game so uh, we had a tough time throwing it and we were doing a lot of just you know option without pitching it so uh it was definitely a defensive battle that game i, I remember being disappointed that we didn't beat them by more because we felt like we were a lot better than them but you know the most important thing was to win it (laughs) so so when you guys won more relief or excitement oh i think that's an interesting question definitely excitement i mean i i I can't ever remember you know being as excited or as elated you know uh, as i was at least for a sporting event you know at that time uh it was also it was also definitely a sense of relief because if, if we hadn't won we'd have been the guys that you know, were picked by everybody and, and, you know, didn't come through and you, you, and you never want to be that in, in anything in life. Right. Yeah. Um, so to, to have been, you know, picked by everybody and kind of have the target that's on our back and be successful in achieving the goal, you know, from the beginning to the end. And really, like I said, from, you know, from the time we walked into high school and that was the goal, you know, and to, so to be successful in it your senior year was really special. Do you remember the spokesman being kind to prep in that year or are they pretty tough on you guys? Uh, I remember them being kind to us. I okay. Think, yeah, I think we got great coverage, and um, I think you know they were uh, very complimentary of of you know both you know the, the the skill and the talent, and also just you know I think you know our good sportsmanship and you know our our community support. Um, I I remember it all being really positive coverage. In my senior year, because of the documentary pups that came out. Mm-hmm. Some of the things and traditions that we had done on the bus got scaled back. Mm-hmm. Do you know the origin of that, those bus cheers and all of that and when they started? Was it your guys' class or what? It couldn't have been because the first time I got on a varsity bus, I was pretty amazed by it all myself. So it had been, it had been there before I got there. I can't tell you how far it goes back before I got there, but it was definitely there before I got there. That's okay. I, I, that will be my lifelong mission as I continue this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want track to find it down. I, I want to know too. Track it down. Okay. Now, uh, what role did your dad play in your football career? Um, 
my dad was always really supportive of football. It was always a big football fan. Um, that was the that was the main sport in, in our house. We always like we always watched the Seahawks game together. He took me to games as a kid. In fact, I remember going when I was a little kid. I think they they played like Richland in the state semifinals at Albion. I remember going to that game. It would have been in like must have been like seventy seven or seventy eight or something like that. I was like nine or ten years old. Um, and we always went to G Prep games. Went to G Prep, you know football and basketball games. I remember watching John Stockton when I was a little kid, you know, uh, Terry Kelly was one of the first guys I remember playing and he was, I was, must have been like eight years old. Uh, but we went to all those, you know, went to some college games when we could. Um, it was, I just loved football from the time I was a little kid. So it was, it was just a foregone conclusion that I was going to play as soon as I had the opportunity to do it. And, you know, like every, every kid, you know, of course I wanted to be a quarterback and, you know, <laughs> be the guy and all that stuff. And, you know, when you're, when you're in junior high, you can you can do that. When you get to high school, you know now there's some serious competition, yeah. and you know you have to figure out how else to get on the field. <laughs> <laughs> so did your dad play? Just in high school. Okay. You know, he went to a, he was from a small farming town in south southeastern Washington. Was he, he a was, defensive? He was uh, an offensive like tackle and a defensive tackle. You know, okay. just kind of your standard, you know, six foot one hundred and sixty five pound farm kid. Yeah. <laughs> no, those are some of the toughest, toughest kids that, yep. that play the sport. How are you different as a, a dad, a football dad, with your kids? You know, uh, I have I have a lot more knowledge about the game, just as much as I've played and haven't played in college and haven't coached. So, um, and I and also having kind of gone through it uh, as an athlete, you know, in in a serious high school program and a college program, you know, understanding what else goes into it in terms of preparing your body, you know, lifting weights, you know, conditioning, you know, and when you, when you start those things. So, you know, I think my kids have just had an advantage, you know, knowing me, knowing, you know, what's good for them in terms of if they want to be successful, here's the things that you do and you do them at, you know, start at this time and mm-hmm. don't be surprised when this happens and, you know, those sort of things. Uh, and also just, you know, being able to, to coach them coming up um so far they've all been played linebacker like me and not necessarily by design but just you know they they've tended to be, have that kind of body type and, yeah. and mentality and and uh uh so my oldest you know played the same position I played uh, in high school and uh Daniel is playing linebacker although I, I think he's you know that's more um he's, he's probably more of a db body style and, and speed <laughs> speed style but uh yeah. You know, I think they need him to play that position. You know, so uh, that's what he's playing. And then, and then our youngest, Calvin, is is uh, he's like his older brother. He's he's pure linebacker type. So okay. Yeah. Um, so if you could look at it, and obviously, you know, you haven't had one of your sons win a state title, but as a father now that you've shifted in more of those shoes, would you trade out your personal state title win to be a father to see your kid win? A oh, state title? yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean it's easy to say because you know you'd never actually have to trade it, <laughs> but um, you know I, I you know there was there was dads there who you know Mac Coach McKenna I mean he was he was there I mean he he yeah. he was on our team when I was in high school he was a junior um, so he won one himself and to see him with his with his boys win was was really special to see that and um, I'm trying to think if there was any other dads who. Larry Condon uh, had Josh Condon on the team, but he was he was a senior when I was a junior, so he lost he mm-hmm. lost his last year. He was in, lost in the state finals. So there's a guy who you know had you know kind of made it all the way there, and didn't get it, and then his kid did. So that yeah. was really special to see him and his two boys uh, celebrate that together. Really is. Yeah. So you've shifted now into coaching freshman football at prep. How many yes. years? 
I just started this year. I've been coaching uh, at Catalo for the last, I don't know, decade or more with uh, my boys coming through there. So uh, what's, the, what's that? What's that like? What's the difference like between grade school and high school for you? Well, I, I used to be the head coach and be in charge of the practice times and, you know, we practice at night and three days a week. And, you know, it was a little bit easier from that front. Now they're practicing every day after school for a couple <laughs> hours. And the schedule doesn't revolve around me. So <laughs> I, uh, I have to really kind of work a little bit harder to, to get, get free from my other responsibilities to, to be able to go do that. Uh, but I'm an assistant coach now too, so I don't yeah. have as many responsibilities as far as, uh, you know, the administrative side and game planning and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, and it's my first year, so we'll, we'll see kind of how it goes going forward, but you know, I'd like to continue to help with that because I think I can, I can bring some good value as kids come into, come into prep and, yeah. and, uh, you know, help develop them for, you know, hopefully later success when they get to JV and varsity. One thing people can't relate to too much, uh, but some dads can obviously is coaching their son or sons. Right. What's that dynamic like? Um, it's been different with all my boys. Um, yeah, a couple of them have been, I, they've been lucky enough to be on good, really good teams. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's been interesting. You know, you, you always hear the horror stories about the dads that always have their kid play quarterback or, you know, get all the touches or whatever. And, um, you know, to me, it was always about, you know, get everybody in the right spots, you know, uh, and of my three boys, you know, two of them were not, you know, ones that were going to be the guys getting all the touches and all the carries or be the big hero on offense or whatever, you know, they yeah. were, they were, you know, more team guys and you know, were going to be successful and, you know, hopefully, you know, leading a defensive charge or whatever. Uh, Daniel was, was quite a good, uh, offensive player in junior high. So he, he was one of those kids who got a lot of touches and yeah. you know, was kind of really the leader uh, on the offense, but you know, he, he was good enough where, you know, nobody could really, you know, uh, make the claim that it was because he was the coach's kid. So I was fortunate <laughs> from that front. So, mm-hmm. and with the other boys, I didn't have to worry about it because, you know, we had other kids who were clearly, you know, the guys needed to be leaders in that front. So, uh, but you know, it's like, it's like anything. Um, it's, it's one thing when a coach tells you to do something, it's another thing when your dad tells you to do something. Um, because no matter who your dad is, your dad's not very smart sometimes, you know, <laughs> and we've all been there and we've all, you yeah. know, experienced that. So, um, in fact, one of my, my, uh, uh, co- guys I coached with, uh, Brian Goslin, who helped coach the Cataldo f- for years in football and continues to, to this day, continue to coach baseball. He and I had a deal where I, I, I'd, I'd yell at his kid and he'd yell at my kid. And, um, that seemed to work out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of parent involvement, typically when you coach at the grade school level, I remember that being tough in my experience of coaching. I mean, I, I didn't always coach the sport in which I was, you know, what I was directly involved in when I grew up with like football or basketball, sometimes I was coaching volleyball. I mean, I know that's not you, but the parent involvement, it's a really different dynamic where you're focused in on, we want to win, but then you've got other parents that are, no, I just want the kids to have fun. How did you combat some of that relationship of focusing on trying to be successful, but at the same time balancing everyone that just wanted to play? It's it's definitely a balance. And, um, having really just coached football at the parochial level, we never had so many guys where, where guys were going to be sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. You know, everybody pretty much had to contribute or we weren't going to be successful. You know, and even if we had enough guys where there were some guys who maybe weren't getting in, those years we were pretty good. So we were able to get them in, you know, uh, regularly. So I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I was really lucky in that front. I mean, I, the, the parents we had, 
at Cataldo on the teams that I coached were all wonderful. I don't I never had a crossword with anybody. Um, always had good relationships with folks. You know, I think, you know, and we had some years where we weren't very good. Yeah. Uh, and some years where we were great, you know, and, and kind of in between. So, um, and to me it was, you know, of course we wanted to win, but I, I'm always, I was always thinking about, you know, what's it going to be like when they get to high school. What I really want them to do is be successful in high school. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if I got a trade off, you know, Catala winning a couple games so that, you know, we can develop some other kids so that G prep can go win some more games, then, you know, I'm going to take the ladder every time. All for the greater good. I like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and even to the point where, you know, you're hope we're trying to coordinate with other, other coaches in the league. Um, you know, Neil O'Keefe is a good friend of mine, coach up at all saints for years when we were there and our, our boys, uh, always competing with each other. Now they're best friends. And, uh, and we were always talking about, okay, what about this kid? What about this kid? You know, um, it, which kids are going to prep, which kids are maybe on the fence. We got to make sure that, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're doing the right thing and you know, all that. So, um, and it, it was the case with, with other coaches in the league too. Uh, I think the last couple of years I was in the rookie league there, I think four, three or four of the coaches had, had played football at, uh, at G prep okay. at different, different, yeah. years but yeah so it was it's definitely a farm club for the high school yeah if, if done properly with uh with football numbers declining i know that this year's freshman class at prep is a little bit more than previous years um but i know that a lot of people credit that to more of the violence that's associated with football and the injuries that can come potentially later in life mm-hmm. i mean it's not a given did you have any doubts about your boys playing football you know i never did um but I will say that you know a lot a lot of the negative publicity and information that's come out has been really in the last three or four years. That's true. Um, so uh, even if it's been in the last four or five years, you know my boy started playing. Even our youngest, Kevin, started playing five or six years ago. Okay. Um, and it's really been since they've played that some of that stuff has come out. But I mean I've seen it just you know during my kids' playing time, uh, where it's become a bigger issue and, and parents concerned about. It. And I've had those conversations with parents. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I in no way, shape or form claim to be, you know, an expert on on the science of it or what have you. But um, there's an article in the spokesman today about, you know, how uh, flag football is, is taking off and, you know, people like that. And, you know, I think that's that's great. But I will tell you that my kids played flag football and they all got hurt worse. And I just witnessed more violent things happening in flag football. <laughs> than I did in youth football because yeah. I mean they're in some respects they're having the same kind of collisions but without any gear on yeah so I mean a kid dives to get some kids flag and they hit their nose on his hip or you know they hit their arm on a knee mm-hmm. or you know any combination of things and um yeah I, I just especially at the end you start getting into junior high seventh and eighth grade when they start getting some some testosterone and and some size you know the <laughs> the the violence of the collisions it gets a little you know and, and obviously every year after that it, it it ramps up but you know to me you know through about sixth grade you know with gear on um you know especially like in you know, the little third and fourth grade it's almost like marshmallows bouncing off each other but you know i recognize you know now the, the information coming out you know you don't the, the issue is that there's uncertainty about what mm-hmm. what it does right and so in that in that in that environment of uncertainty you know most people are gonna you know, try to err on the side of protecting their kids yeah. you know so we've never had any problems with any of our kids having concussions um my own personal experience i didn't have any problems with it until i got to college i had a couple in college 
uh, but have not, that I know of at least, suffered mm-hmm. any you know long-term consequences uh, from that. So, um, and I, I will tell you for sure, especially in the last five years, the, the way you coach has changed a lot. Um, yeah. You know, the Seahawks have this kind of this fam- famous hawk tackling mm-hmm. um, method that has really proliferated, at least in, in our region. Um, and everybody, you know, uh, coaches tackling as more of a rugby style tackling now. I mean, and, you know, it used to be, you know, get your face mask across his chest and, you know, drive him back. And now it's, you know, drive your near shoulder through their near hip and, and, um, gator them backwards. So, I mean, you're trying, they're trying intentionally to keep the head out of the tackles. Um, and, you know, the same thing on offense, they're really trying to, you know, become more of a, a hands blocking team than, than, uh, leading with your with your face mask, and it, you know it makes sense too from a from uh, from a standpoint of of success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I promise you, the Seahawks wouldn't be doing it unless they were you know having more success yeah. with it. I mean, their their view was that they were able to stop yards after contact tackling that way. You know, that was the first reason. I think safety was probably second. They would never say that, obviously, but you know, in professional football. You know, that's uh, you know the the key is being successful, but it also has the impact of them you know, significantly reducing their head injuries on their team yeah. too. So for, for us, it's the first reason, I mm-hmm. think, you know, uh, and then the, you know, the having success with it is, is the second reason. So, um, and G prep has, has really taken a lead in, in embracing that uh, way of, of playing and have pushed it down into the parochial leagues for sure. Yeah. Um, with, with training and, um, and with expectations on the coaches, so you know, I think it's a great thing, and I, and I do think it's safer than it than it was before. And the gear obviously is a lot better than it than it has been. I mean, it's getting better all the time. Yeah. When you guys watch uh, the games from the the stands now, who's more intense, you or your wife? Um, definitely me. Okay. She actually takes pictures of the of the, of the <laughs> games. Uh, I, you know, she enjoys that. Okay. Um, that's just something that she likes to do. I don't I don't know how much of it is to you know avoid getting too caught up in the game or no, <laughs> how much is she you know, likes taking pictures. But so there's not really a comparison because she's okay. kind of watching it through a different lens, so to speak. <laughs> is she the one nervous throughout the game, kind of worried, or does she just kind of? No, you know she's she's very. Um, she had eight siblings, six brothers who all played at prep. Wow. Um, she's she's from the bird family, which a lot of people have have gone to Gonzaga prep with one bird or the other and and they've they've always been really uh they've always participated in in football and sports and so i mean she's been used to in fact her brothers played in state championships when she was a little kid you know so um she grew up in a football family and and it would never occur to her for her boys to not play football either if you had to choose between your three sons who loves football the most obviously they all play they enjoy the game they show that but who do you think to their core. Man, that's hard to say. Kale really, our oldest, really likes football, likes to watch football. You know, it's in fantasy leagues, you know, really pays attention to it. You know, is this kind of a student of the game. Um, but Daniel really loves to play, loves to practice. I mean, he's always got a big smile on his face when he's practicing. He always goes full out. Cavin, um, you know, he's at that age where, you know, he, he's – 14 he's just starting high school you know he's a teenager you can't get a you know square word out of him on anything so it's hard to know what he likes and what he doesn't like about a lot of subjects these days so so i guess if, I, if you if you pin me down i'd say daniel he's just i mean he just is a really enthusiastic yeah kid generally but you know really really seems like he 
loves to play the game. As a parent, is it tough for you to not coach from the stands? Uh, well, the nice thing about football is it's really hard to coach from the stands. <laughs> I mean, they can't really. I still, I always stand in the top row next to the next to the press box at prep, so they they, they couldn't hear me even if I wanted to uh, say anything at that point. But uh, no, Dan and I definitely. I mean, I definitely you know, watch the video after the games, and okay. and uh, you know, I try to be helpful without you know being uh, pushy about stuff. And uh, you know, I, I in you know we've got a relationship with. They, I mean, I think they know that I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And if I do see something that I think can help them, you know, they generally have listened to it yeah. and, and taken it in and, and tried to try to incorporate it. So do your boys play any other sports besides football? Uh, yeah. Uh, Kale actually was probably a better baseball player than he was a football player. He, okay. he was a, a pitcher and an outfielder and ended up uh, playing JC for a couple of years and played at Whitworth until this last season. Um, Cavan also plays uh, baseball. Our youngest plays baseball. He was on the prep legion team this summer, uh, and then Daniel plays basketball. Okay. So uh, he was uh, he along with a lot of other good basketball players were on the joint the JV last year. While all those really good players won the state championship. That's cool. So uh, they're all going to have to step up this year to help them, you know, be good with only two guys returning. So, <laughs> um, do you see benefits of kids uh, playing more than one sport? Absolutely. I think it's critical. I mean, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm really, I have real strong opinions about this. Uh, it, it kills me how many families, uh, single slot their kids at such an early age, Yeah. you know, in Spokane, you know, there's, there's a tendency toward basketball just because, you know, people in Spokane love basketball so much with the Zags and hoop fest and everything. And, you know, and, and if anything, that's almost the worst sport to go single slot in because, it's so competitive. Yeah. I mean, you just, I mean, you can be a really, really good player and not be good enough to play in your high school team. Look at Gonzaga prep the last few years. I mean, there's some excellent basketball players in that junior and senior class at Gonzaga mm-hmm. prep last year didn't even make the team, Yeah. you know? Uh, so you hate to see somebody, you know, putting all their eggs in that basket, you know, if, cause if the kids were good enough athlete to be, you know, kind of on the edge of making it and doesn't make it, they definitely could be a really good football player or a good baseball player or run track or whatever else play lacrosse. Um, so I think, and plus I just think it's, it's good for your body and your mind to train different aspects mm-hmm. um, of, uh, you know, both your physical skills and, and your mental skills. Cause all the sports are different, you yeah. know? And it's also good because, you know, you know, some kids are good at everything, but most kids aren't, you know? Um, so you're going to be better at one thing than another. So if you're really good at something, you know, maybe it's good for you to struggle in another thing, you know, to, to build some character and, and deal with some adversity and, and that sort of things. So that's been really great for our boys. Yeah. Uh, Cause they've tended to be better at one sport than another. And, you know, uh, as much as they do well in one sport and get accolades or have success, you know, they have to you know struggle a little bit in the other one. And yeah, you have it, that adversity. Absolutely. And I think it's just really good for them. And I just think it's good for kids to be active, you know, uh, as much as possible. Now, that said, I don't know that I'd encourage my kids to play three sports. I think that's a really tough that's thing tough. to do. The balance uh, of just school and sports yes, at that point. Yeah, and, and school is so important. And I think, you know, going to a, a real tough school like Gonzaga Prep, it's really difficult to be successful um, in school if you're trying to also be successful in three sports. Plus, I think it's really you know, the way things are going in sports, how much more sophisticated they've become. I think it's really, if you want to be really good in one of them, it's, I think it's tough to play three. I think, yeah. I think if you play two, you can still be really good at one of them because you still have enough of an off season in something where you can go and lift weights or do the things you have to do to build your skill and your build your body. But if you're playing three, you almost never have any 
time off at all. So uh, we've we've kind of discouraged our boys uh, and our daughter from from playing three sports uh, in in high school, and that seemed to be you know good choices for them, and mm-hmm. they've been successful in school and in sports. So yeah. So this Friday night, Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. This team. What are your thoughts so far on what you've seen from this varsity team? Uh, I haven't seen much of them. I went and watched the scrimmage a little bit last Wednesday. Went and watched a little bit of that. Um, I tend to watch the, the defense more just because my my, yeah. my boy plays defense. So yeah. I, I haven't paid as much attention to the offense. But um, the defense, they're gonna they got a lot of fast athletes on there, and and they're gonna be young. But I think they're gonna be they're gonna really be able to swarm to the ball and cause some turnovers and, mm-hmm. and do some good things. Um, and, uh, you know, offensively, you know, I know, you know, we've, we're going to have a new quarterback and new running backs and, you know, some new linemen, but, um, I, I just feel like we've got some, some kids who've, you know, been through it, are experienced, can step in and they're going to, you know, do what kids at prep always do. I mean, they're yeah. going to, they're going to, you know, kind of look the tradition in the face and find a way to be successful. Um, and, you know, we've got some real timing, you know, I think our, our running back is, uh, you just don't see too many kids who who look like him in mm-hmm. our league. You know, as big and strong and athletic as he is, um, and uh, I know they've had some some depth issues on their O line, which is is tough. But uh, you know, having having had Bob Cassano come out and work with our freshman team a lot this summer, and oh, really? seeing how he coaches, um, I have all the confidence in the world that you know they'll figure out how to how to get guys blocked up and make holes so that they're successful mm-hmm. this year you know i you know I, I have no doubt it's there's there's going to be some some struggles along the way for this team you know being as young as they are yeah um and you know it wouldn't be the first time a prep team struggled at the beginning of the year um but i think that they'll figure it out and they'll they'll have a good year and i think the future is bright you know with all the all the young kids they have in the yeah. program who are doing so well if if i were to put together like hypothetically a dinner of guys that were on that 86 team who would be a part of that dinner that would be able to contribute stories and you know all these memories from that year who would who would you have at that table type of thing oh yeah well all of them there i mean there's there, there's i mean again having reconnected with a lot of them just a couple weeks ago there's a lot of characters on that team <laughs> but uh yeah no you know definitely Ron Hawkins, our quarterback, is is uh, he'd be a really good guy to tell some stories. Uh, there's just some really funny guys. Nate Stallings, one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, uh, he was a linebacker, and we played right next to each other, and uh, we're in on a lot of tackles together. Uh, Tom Corbett is a real high energy, smiley guy. Um, just fun guys all the way around, um, and yeah, it's. Uh, it would definitely be it would be a fun dinner, and I like I said I just did that dinner a couple weeks ago. So mm-hmm. that's fun, that really is. So uh, yeah, no, hey, we'll be uh, we'll be following the pups all season long. Hopefully, we'll be able to have the opportunity to check back in with Tom because of the fact his involvement with the freshman program, his involvement obviously with the varsity program, just following his son and going to all the games. So really nice to kind of broaden our network here, and we really do appreciate you joining us today. Well, it's an honor to be on, and I'm really excited that you're doing this. And I, I, I'm amazed at all the, the podcasts you've already recorded. Uh, it's amazing, all the activity. I think that people are going to love this, and it's just a really good opportunity for for people to connect with the school and, and uh, with folks they haven't seen in a while and you know, make them you know, think about Gonzaga Prep. 
We want to thank Tom McKernan for joining us. Such an honor to be able to sit down with a guy that was part of such a legendary team that meant so much to the Bullpup community. Now, before I close things off today, here's a couple things. He mentioned to me some names in which I could potentially reach out to future interviews. And if you hear your name, know that I'm coming for you, all right? I really want to hear from you guys. First off, Ron Hawkins, quarterback of that 86 team. Rod Melzer, freshman, head football coach. I'm coming for you, Rod. Terry Kelly. Hey, we had the privilege of sitting down with Tate. To sit down with uh, Terry would be even more legendary. Mark Maktoff. That'd be awesome, too. The Maktoff name has been in and around for prep for years, it seems. Denny Hansen. That would be great, too. John Please. Bob Gregory. Now... Those guys, back in the 80s, did a lot for the community, are still doing a lot for the community in the 2000s, and I want to get you on, have you give, give you the opportunity to speak about what you're doing today, and how prep shaped you to be able to do those things today. It would be such an honor, so please, if you heard your name or you know of those individuals that I just named, know we want to get them on, we want people to hear what they have to say. Please help me out. But as always, no pups. <laughs>